0: I used to work for a college radio station, CHRY 105.5 FM, located on the York University campus in the Vanier building in Toronto. They had a huge library of records, and it's where I could be found in between class. I would comb through the records, trying to make sense of it all, and consume as much music as I could. There were a handful of releases that tripped me up. They turned the idea of what I had thought about music on its head. The impressions they left on me I can feel to this day. While the rest of the world were losing their minds on Nirvana's Nevermind album, an album that I acknowledge is good, but I feel nowhere near as wild and mind bending as a lot of music pundits line up to say. Rather, I regard albums like Soul Discharge by The Boredoms, Naked City's self titled 1990 debut, and just about any and all records by Jandek as the music that expanded my mind even though I'm known for making straight-ahead hard rock music, and it's the music that I love and always will, those early years with those records burnt musical circuits in my brain that I will never recover from, nor do I want to. The result can be found on a record I released just this past week. It's a noise project called Throat Funeral, and the album is called OU812112. It's vocal Noise And aside from a few hits on a cymbal and a few keyboard sounds punched here and there, it is sound made by mouth. I am honored to have Jorgen munkby of Shining play saxophone on tracks 2 and 10, and I am honored to scream alongside Tanya Tagak and Tad Doyle over Jorgen sax on track 2, a song called The Staring Contest why a noise album, many are probably asking, and why now? Well, the thing is, I had most of this album done back in 2015. In fact, Jorgen sent me his saxophone track in 2014. I have been sitting on this thing for five years, partly because I was a little shy to unleash this onto the rigid square world that has come to be the music world I reside in, but also because our band has been so busy. There's not been a good time to put it out. We're always either touring a record or working on a record to bother with any other musical projects. But with COVID wiping out our year and the gray sky that has fallen over the music industry, now seems to be the best time to release this thing. The screaming on the record mirrors the anguish and frustration many are probably feeling during these times. Kind of like how heavy metal and punk rock came to be a comfort for me hearing someone angrier and more frustrated than myself. Maybe this will help soothe while simultaneously making one vomit. I don't know. There really wasn't too much work to have it released. It's a band camp, digital-only release, so it was a simple matter of uploading the tracks. It was already mixed, it was already mastered, and the artwork and credits, credits were already finalized. It was just sitting there, waiting. And to be honest... If COVID hadn't hit, I might have sat. It might have sat there for another five years. So, check out my noise album. It's a project called Throat Funeral, and the album is called OU812112. ThroatFuneral.bandcamp.com is the only place to hear it and get it. So, please check it out. For this episode, I'm sort of but. Not really, on a little break from the podcast, but talking to Damian Abraham of Turned Out a Punk and, of course, fucked up, he suggested if I do take breaks that I upload older episodes that over time may have gotten taken down or buried or forgotten. So I'm going to do just that this week. While I'm taking some time away from the podcast, and this episode ties in well with my little ramble I just did about Throat Funeral. This episode was originally episode number 28 with Henry Rollins, who I cornered at the Wackin Open Air Festival in 2012 when we both were booked to do spoken word gigs. And against his better judgment, Henry granted me a chat, even though He had a plane to catch, and this discussion was me knowing he was a big collector of noise music and wanting to chat with him about it. One must keep in mind, this was early days with me in the podcast. I was also very nervous because I could already sense Henry didn't want to do this, but maybe you'll be able to tell because I could tell he eased up a bit when we got into things. In case you don't know who Henry Rollins is, hmm... Well, most people cite his time as singer of Black Flag to be his highlight years, but for me, I've always felt the Rollins Band releases like Lifetime, Hard Volume, the Do It EP, and the End of Silence album don't get enough critical acclaim they so rightly deserve. I'll put Lifetime up against any Black Flag album with any Black Flag singer singer any day of the week. So, there. I also want to state that another reason for me re-upping this episode is it recently became evident that a lot of people who follow me on social media didn't know didn't know I had I have a podcast that I've been actively doing for the past 9 years. This episode is the proof. I did this episode originally 8 years ago. I was recently listening to a podcast, whose name I won't mention. It was okay. It was run by a guy in a band who did semi-okay in the 90s, I guess. But holy smokes, he was stacked with promo and Patreon, and it was very slick. And then I said, thought to myself, here I was trudging along for the past nine years with nothing close to his trinkets. Not that I want them. I've never really asked for them. I've never had any legit sponsors who help fund the podcast. Never. Never ever. I've never really asked for anything from listeners except for their time. Your time. That's all I really wanted. But putting in my time, the only thing I wished was after nine years, word should have gotten round by now that I have a podcast. So let me say it one more time. I have been doing a podcast for nine fucking years. Anyways, Enjoy enjoy this rewound episode with Henry Rollins and check out Throat Funeral. And thank you for listening. I really mean it. Okay, let's start.
1: The Jones the best Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Dako Jones podcast starts! Now.
0: My very special guest uh, in this makeshift studio uh, at the Radisson across from the Hamburg airport. Mr. Henry Rollins is here. I just want to say it is an honor to have you here. I know you are, have no or little time to do this, but you've done this for, for me, so I thank you very much. You just spoke at the, the Wacken, Wacken Open Air. Um, I did the same the first two days. You did the second two days. How did it go? It was fine. It was a good time. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, you know, with uh, the metal audience, you, you've, you've been, uh, I don't know, I think there's been some sort of, uh, you've been quite cautious around metal crowds uh, over the years. I'm just wondering how, how you were able to connect with them today.
1: Well, they're very friendly people. I mean, if you want to generalize, metal people are some of the friendliest, most open-minded music people you'll meet anywhere. Where sometimes the punk rockers are too cool for school, and the hipsters kind of sneer at you because you're old or you're not don't have something in your ear or whatever. Metal people, I have found, just you kind of come as you are, and they're exceedingly friendly, not stupid. And you know they get a bad rap. People, oh, you're dumb and you're violent. They're quite often neither. And and I listen to a lot of metal, so it's not a music I'm foreign from and a lot of the bands they like I like them too I have a lot of those records so it the 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 event itself was fine I mean I've done on my own festivals like download and you know whatever they give me I do it and the two shows here were great
0: um I told you yes uh believe yesterday when we first met at Vakin, you were on your way there um doing The first two days of spoken word, I did a lecture. I came out as dressed up like a university professor, much like the professors I had. And I had a bow tie, a tweed jacket. I did the patches. I didn't want to do what you do, but I still wanted to get on stage in that medium and see how it feels. I've done it before. I did it uh, years ago. It's still always very mentally taxing as opposed to playing a, a rock and roll show where you have volume to help you out. Um, and I just wanted to say, and I gave you this recording that I did in '89 when I was in high school, when I saw you speak at the back of the Rivoli Club in Toronto. Um, it's kind of coming full circle, and it's just, uh, I just, it just, it just meant a lot for me to to to, to be on the bill with you. And I uh, just wanted to say that. Well, when, thank you. When you uh, spoke in '89, you talked about the 10-year reunion of your high school. And how you missed it. But you went back and you started talking about all these teachers you had. I was in that kind of high school at the time talking, uh, uh, watching you talk. Those teachers that you had were my teachers. And uh, I made that recording and I listened to that all throughout high school. And it got me through high school because there was someone who was doing something that I wanted to do that went through that whole process. I just wanted to say that to you. Oh cool. Thanks. So, um and I just wanted to talk about the uh the the movie corner you had that that kind of launched into the uh the Henry Rollins uh show on IFC. Now, uh why didn't it go for a second season? Cuz
1: we stopped doing the film show and started doing a show with like interviews and bands. So it just kind of mutated. But why didn't
0: it go for like another round? Well, that show
1: did 2 years. Yeah. And then they said, well, let's change it up and have you do some documentaries. And so they gave me a budget and I went out and uh, did a documentary in South Africa, one in Northern Ireland and one in Israel. And then they turned into kind of like a comedy channel. you know. They kind of changed their focus. And recently the guy who ran it, uh, he left and he's working at a new company and he immediately called me and said, hey, uh, I want you to do some stuff over here. So we're actually working on a project right now we're actually putting something together that will enact in september and and hopefully that leads to something else and something else and you know this thing goes on i hope but um he's a good guy and i four years of the independent film channel was a, a pretty good run but the, there's a thing you know it's other people's money and I don't have a great deal of control over that, and I think we did a really good show, especially the second season when we had Gore Vidal and mm-hmm. um Larry Flint was very interesting. Verna uh, Herzog, people like that were I, I think we did you know good interviews. the bands were great, we had Slayer, we had Iggy, we had Dinosaur Junior. It was all pretty cool, and I still get a lot of friendly letters about that show. But, you know, IFC, you know, they took the money and went elsewhere. It was a very expensive show to do. I think that's what kind of made them a little gun shy.
0: Um, you uh, mentioned all the bands. Rollins Band played as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on tour in 06, and the opening band, their soundman was was T.O. Uh, Van Rock. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me that you guys were about to do a tour. We did a tour in 2006. Yeah, and yeah. he was just getting ready to do that. Um, where where does the Rollins band stand today? I don't have a band I don't uh, have any intention on
1: making any music unless something really extraordinary happens I I, I just don't think lyrically anymore it was a thing I was doing and then I stopped doing it and rather than go rehash the past which I have no interest in doing um, I just stopped doing music I read a quote that you said uh, you miss it every day. Sure, I miss it. But I also miss sleeping late and eating pizza. It doesn't mean I can do it. Um, To go on stage and sing 30-year-old songs, it might be for someone else to do but not me. It does not interest me. I don't want to do it. Mm, So I I want to stay in the present. And to do that, I have to be in 2012. To sing a 25-year-old song at age 51, it just... I'll watch someone else do it, some other band. I just, I don't want to do it. And so uh, since I don't think lyrically anymore, I just went out of the music thing uh, years ago and said, well, what else is there out there in the world for me to do? And at this point, it takes about seven days a week for me to to keep up with it. There's, I'm doing a whole lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I, you know, I only bring up the Rollins band because uh, I wanted to throw our band in the ring there and and offer our services. Oh, well, I appreciate <laughs> that.
1: <laughs> no, I don't really think lyrically anymore. I mean, it's just a form that I don't that doesn't address anything that I'm going through. I'm not putting it down. It's just that it, It's just uh, I'm not emotionally in need of writing about something like you know if when you're in a relationship and the female leaves or you leave or whatever. I already wrote that song for myself. Mm. As far as being angry at the man or whatever. I wrote that song. I wrote it a few times. And while I'm still angry at the man, now I go, you know, I can, I I go at him in in a different way. Right. Um, But there's nothing more song-wise for me to write. And there's nothing about making music, making an album and touring the world doing it that I don't really know a lot about already. And so I... I'm not interested in doing something that I know so well. I'd rather do something that throws me a a few curveballs now and then, keeps the blood thin.
0: Okay, fair enough. I mean, I would just listen to uh, the later, uh, the second period of Rollins Band with uh, Mother Superior. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know how they were before they joined up with you, but I assume that they were a Mm three-piece. We're a three-piece. We play rock. And I've always listened to those records going, we can do this. So I've always wanted to come up to you and just say what I just said. Well, I appreciate it's that. after the fact. So I, I, that's cool. I just, at least I said it. Um, now, um, I, when we, we played in 05 uh, in New York, we played the Mercury Lounge with uh, M- M- Watt and uh, uh, Kira's band, DOS. Uh, DOS mm-hmm. or DOS? DOS. DOS. And um, Kira mentioned in the dressing room that you were working on a book on Stalin, I was I was reading one, not Russian. She, she okay. Well, well I, I, I mean to throw I, I, her under I, the I bus. I wrote a
1: well, no, no. She probably misunderstood me. I, I wrote a very long thing, like 11,000 words on Stalin, but it's not a book. It's a piece of a book called Rumanitarian, and uh, I may have shown part of it to her. But, uh, no, it's not a whole book. I'm not a historian. I wrote a very weird abstract thing about Stalin after having read so much about him. I wrote a thing about uh, the mindset. Uh, basically, I wrote a thing uh, as his great-grandson because he has a great-grandson. Mm. And the way the triptych goes with Russian names, you the the names, like every three generations, you have the same name as your great-grandfather. And mm. this guy, this great-grandchild, the son, has the same name as Stalin, uh, whatever Zhugashvili uh, the the real, the, the, yeah. the real last name, and there was an article in the newspaper about this guy. He's just some little kid, and I, I said, "Damn, that's." And the, the town's really into it. I mean, this is, a, I guess, is some part of Georgia. They really like Stalin, and the the, the okay. grandson is like, "Well, he was a great man," and there's a lot of people in Russia who still stick up for Stalin. I mean, I'm sure there's people in in Cambodia who still think Pol Pot was the answer. I mean, there's always some battered wife somewhere who will stand up for their man. Right. And you can go to the Kremlin right now, and there's some weeping woman keeping Stalin's grave clean, I'm sure. Um, That's just how that that kind of mental slavery is. But, yeah, I I wrote quite a big wad of writing at one point on Stalin. I was very
0: satisfied with that writing. (laughs) I I enjoyed it. Since 5 I've been kind of watching every release that you've done, and I have I had yet to see that book on Stalin because that's what she said. But well, no, it's just a, clarify that it's a chapter. It's yeah, in okay. a book
1: called Rumanitarian, and I forget what the piece is called, but it's in there, and okay. it's a pretty weird piece of writing.
0: Okay, I, I, yeah, because I have um, I haven't read the mad da- uh, the mad dash, but I did read a dull roar mm-hmm. and a preferred blur. So uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, and I noticed that the last book that you put out was actually um photographs. Mm-hmm. Is this uh the new like is this a new area or just just uh, something that you well, it's, it's I do I take a lot of photographs all over the world. Yeah.
1: And uh I'm I'm a good way into the next photo book which will come out uh, probably in 2014. Uh, just, I just need a, a a few more. There's a few more countries I want to get to and see if I can have some good luck and get some good images, and then uh, I'll have to do the writing, which is very very time intensive, and see you know, see what, what how the book shakes out. But as it is now, uh, the book, the next photo book looks pretty cool. I'm very happy with it. It's photos from uh, Uganda, Southern Sudan, North Korea, Mongolia, Bhutan, Vietnam, India. Uh, where else uh, uh, Nepal yeah and and, and uh, Haiti and uh, Cuba and and so there'll probably be some more uh, Central Asian countries i'll I'll be going to in the next several months. I'll be back in uh, southern Sudan, probably by February it to the, going to the western part near uh, Darfur where I do some humanitarian work out there. And so I'll be Mm -hmm. bringing my camera, of course. And so hopefully there'll be some interesting uh, photos I'll get from there.
0: Oh, well, that's great. Um, I, 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 I know that you've taken photos, uh, you take photos and all that stuff, and I know you said you don't want to relive the past. You put out Get in the Van. Um, is there? Could, do you have enough material to put out something between Get in the Van and, and, and today, like everything that happened around that time? What, that journal that docu- entries? Not journal entries, but like photographs no. that document that kind no, of No, I didn't have a camera in
1: those days. Oh, okay. No, we were very poor. Um, there's photos of me, but not photos I took. Right now, I had a camera in high school, and uh, my friend Ian McKay and I—we mm-hmm. we both had taken darkroom lessons, so we knew how to develop. And we used to develop our own our own photos. We uh, would borrow a friend's darkroom, and we developed our own photos quite a bit. Did a pretty good job. Um, and then I lost that camera. I have no idea where it went. I bought it used off some guy in high school, and it's it, it's gone and then I, I endured many years of being you know broke and only you know a while ago i started you know being able to afford a thing like a camera and at one point i would kind of come to the the end of the limitations of what camera gear i had and a, a woman who photographed me quite a bit said well let's let's uh, let's get you a real camera that you can really work with cuz you definitely have something to give the, you know and so i got a real a real body and some good lenses and that was many years ago, and I've just been kind of going at it ever since.
0: Right. Um, a lot of the the the, the series are you going to continue with the Mad Dash uh, Preferred Blur that kind of mm-hmm. journal entry way? Yeah. The of books. The, yeah.
1: The new the new one is called A Grim Detail. Ah. Okay. And it's almost finished. It's uh it's from 2009 2010. It's done. It's just uh it's in its fourth draft. I was going to try and put it out in November. No way. It'll be out. I'm doing two books next year, and it'll be uh, at the earliest, March, April now, I think, if I can get some time maybe this December to really work on it. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah Um. I've, I've always wanted to know, because um, I, I have a lot of your books. In fact, when I was at that speaking show in 89, I bought End to End, and you signed that. <clears throat> and those were kind of just like kind of prose entries, like here and there. Yeah, I'm not a disciplined writer. Uh, I, I've always I, I wanted just, to I just know. wrote them. Yeah, Great I always things. wanted to know if you were going to tackle like a full book of fiction. No, I mean, I, I wrote a, a book
1: basically fiction-based called Solipsist. And it's just a lot of, uh, you know, weird short stories or just weird, mm-hmm. you know, mind spasms. And humanitarian is the same. Uh, I don't write much like that. Uh, the, the writing I did in the photo book is kind of reminiscent of that, kind of like a, a very aggressive, abstract, prismatic look on reality, and it becomes fictional. Uh, but I don't really write like that very often. I just don't really think like that very often. I don't really think artistically.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Well, um, I know uh, I'm kind of watching the clock here because I, I, I feel for your Itinerary. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I mean, I could probably talk to you about you for another two hours. Oh, I appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> I understand you're under the gun here. Um, we are literally across the airport here, and uh, touring myself. I I know I end up giving half my energy away to making sure I'm at the gate. So. If uh, you're pressed for time, man, it's it's all good. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I just wanted to know also, I just had some bullet points here. Um, is there a, with, with something I, that's g- making me curious is I've heard every time I would go record shopping on tour, um, sometimes someone who would take me to a city's record stores would say that, you know, uh, Henry was here, or there. He was. He goes to this store. It was. A, so it's always a place I want to visit to see what kind of stuff they have. Now with record stores closing, this is a completely off top. I'm going. I'm taking a, a turn here. Uh, with record stores closing, do you manage to? How much record buying do you
1: do? My rule is, I buy minimum one record a day, every single day. Damn, uh, minimum. And what I usually do is uh, stack them up on discogs. And after every show, I pick one or two and just hit order. And um, then if there's record stores I can get to, I go into them. And if there's stuff there I want, I just get all of it. Um, and so my record collection takes up the entirety of a three-car garage. Mm. Uh, with It's all, you know, I had carpenters come in and, like, build shelves, and it's pretty well organized. And there's drawers of of cassettes and dats and and then there's a basement full of master tapes and uh, a whole archive room for flyers and other things. So a lot of work goes into all of that and I try and listen, when I'm off the road, I try and listen to two to four LPs a night. I just pick four and I just, you know, line them up and I just listen to them. And uh, sometimes it's listen for the hell of listening or sometimes I make notes because I might use them in my radio show later. Or, you know, I I just like to listen to music. And so I do a lot of record buying online. A lot of the great record stores are gone, but there are a lot of really good record stores that are still around. Uh, Record stores in Europe are fantastic. There's a lot of great record stores in Germany. Uh, Berlin, fantastic record stores. Uh, Scandinavia has some of the last... Tranches of really good vinyl, and you'll pay. I mean, they're not. Some of these stores are. There's a one in, in Copenhagen, which is just the guy's are a bandit, but he's got <laughs> some amazing things there. And this year, I was in uh, Finland, in Helsinki, and I was in a record store, and I was go to the weird section, and I found these records that looked very odd and interesting so I brought them to the counter and I asked the guy I said can you put these on for me and he said yeah because he's looking to sell them so he played a moment of each one of the records I said I'll buy all of those Um, is there anything else like those records because they're all local Finnish kind of freak out bands right and you know all the all the records are hand numbered. There's not many of them, like you know, 150, 200. And he goes, yeah. This, he said, "There's a huge scene here." I said, "Well, I, I know there's kind of a noisy, droney scene in Denmark. I have that pretty well covered, but I didn't know about Finland." He said, "Man, Helsinki's hopping with all these bands that record at home. They do shows in their living room. It's real small, and some one band uh, does shows and they cook you dinner because it's all it's so small. There's like eight people." And I said, well, I want to know more about this. He said, well, this lady's pretty interesting and this, and I just said, just I'll buy all of it. And I got it home and I played it all. I I can't even pronounce the names of these bands because it's like eight syllables and you know, your mouth falls apart. But I liked every one of these records and it had me going to Discogs and eBay and all of this scouring all over the internet for months now. And over the last several months, I've acquired, like, this ridiculous amount of records from Finland. And it's it makes up a good chunk of my listening. It's what I was listening to in my room last night. And it's just some weird, really far-out-there music. And so there's always new music to find. Either it's new to your ears or the band is very young. And so my only dilemma is I don't have enough time. And at this point, I... I don't know if I'm going to get all the records I have listened to because, you know, I don't know how many years I have left, but like there's a label in America called American Tapes and it's basically a noise label and the guy hand makes every record and he will make like 10 of these, 15 of those. His name is John Olson. He's, he's quite amazing. And his main band is called Wolf Eyes, but he's got like four yeah. other bands, okay. Dead Machines and uh, Spikes and all this other stuff. He's got like all these projects. Yeah. And he has over 1,000 releases on his label. And I have over 800 of them. And some of them come in cereal boxes, like four spray-painted cassettes in a Cheerios box. Uh, there's a, a Budweiser six-pack with a cassette stuffed in each place where the bottle was spray-painted. <laughs> so this kind of thing takes up a lot of room. I have shelves of this stuff of just his label. And I collect a lot of noise music from all over the world. Right. Uh, There's a lot of really amazing music coming out of Italy. A lot of great jazz music coming out of Italy. There's a a sax player named Virginia Genta, and she's just a monster player. And uh, what's his name? Urabe (sighs) Missa-something-Urabe. And he's not young, but he's a, a very... Insane sax player. He's like murderous. And so I listen to him a lot. His records are very hard to get a hold of. I managed to find like uh, three or four, but there's like the 10 I'll never find. They're long gone. Um, and so I, I, I listen to a lot of different music all the time. In any spare moment I have, I put on music. And so I, but I'm always in acquisition mode. Min, like I said, minimum one record a day. Wow. That's... More like three. And uh, especially when I'm touring, just because I'm moving, you know, uh, I'm making money, I'm working. And, you know, you do a hard night on stage, you know, good boy gets a record. <laughs> and so uh,
0: that's, I got gotcha. you. I, I, I hear I that, man. I, I go by that uh, t- a bit, too. But my whole thing is uh, two things of what you said. Uh, you Do you really need that hard copy version of it now that we're in the digital age? Yeah, absolutely. Can, yeah, can you get off, away no. with just going on a blog no. and wrapping? sharing it no i download
1: music all the time if i can't find the album if i'm curious about some band some band looks interesting has people in it that i know from other bands i'll type in the name of that record go online see if i can find some weird dude's blog site and drag it off i listen to it if i like it i go buy it i never like the record and don't buy it the only reason i don't buy it is because i can't find it Mm -hmm. and there's a few records uh by uh, Keiji Haino. He's an a amazing Japanese, uh, Japanese guitar yep. player. He's like my favorite guitar player. There's a few Keiji Haino records I don't have. I just can't find them. Um, so I have the download, but I'm looking. And there's a few uh, records by uh, um, Mizutani, uh, La Rila, La R- R- Denudes, another Japanese guitar player, kind of like the father of all of that crazy Japanese guitar stuff. There's a couple of his records I don't have. Um, I have them want listed and if I ever see them I'll pounce on them but I have downloads of them because some charitable soul put them up there knowing that the rest of us are sucking wind trying to find it (laughs) Um, but when I find the real copy I buy it especially if it's vinyl I mean the vinyl always sounds better and a CD sounds better than an MP3 you know so vinyl's optimum if you can't get that you get the CD if you can't get that you download it but you're always looking for the real one so one way or the other, I try to pay the artist. And um, sometimes you just buy a used record and the artist got paid for it. Now you're paying some other guy. But I do my best to get a real copy of it. So,
0: um, You know, I've, I've, I have friends who are completely submerged in the noise scene. They, they want to get, and like basically outsider music. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't play outsider music, but I'm a fan of it. However... As, as is with uh, a lot of dance music that I like, my main complaint about outsider music like that, noise, and dance music is the, the output is, is, is just too numerous to keep up with. Is part of the reason for, for collecting it – like I stop as far as Boredoms and Jandek – and the frogs and things that i can kind of sink my claws into and be by a name or, yeah, that, or something that's,
1: that's all pretty safe noise wise right yeah all great but, but, but i
0: can't get i can't get any deeper because i just yeah, I, I it's, it's not, like quicksand but it's not like it's not for everybody
1: i mean i've been listening to this music for a long time and i kind of welcome the fact that you know John Olson, you know, the American Tapes guy, he knows that I'm I'm a fan, so he'll write me and he'll say, dude, send me 80 bucks. And you send him 80 bucks. I I told him, I said years ago, I said, look, keep me in the loop. You know, like if you're going to make something, sell me one of everything you make, I'll always buy one of Mm -hmm. everything. And I have that with all those labels. They all write me and they go like, dude, hit me with 40 bucks on PayPal. You send it and you get some gummy box of spray painted madness a week later and I do that with all those guys I like to keep the label happening I like to support the thing I actually do play all this stuff and I kind of like the fact that I have boxes shelves of just tons of this stuff so I collect all those labels and there's a lot of it um I admire the fact that these guys are pro, so prolific. To me, it's like the new jazz. I, I really mm. like this scene because yeah. it makes rock and roll seem like, you know, kind of been there, done that. This is something else, and I enjoy it. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I like getting these, like, CDRs with a hand Xerox folded thing inside a sandwich bag and hand-numbered. And, you know, I ordered and they they, they they see that it's me ordering, and some of these people, they're, am- they're like, you're into my stuff? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like no way, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So it's fun and it, it keeps me as a 51-year-old who's seen a lot happen and it keeps me interested in music. And yeah. I don't I don't see the downside to that. But it is overwhelming. It is. It's it, I have I have a ton of this stuff, like boxes of it. And you know, I don't know. I don't have that many shelves to put it all up, so I just kind of gently categorize it. So
0: how do you how do you put on a shelf like a Budweiser
1: I have metal shelving and I just kind of have some of these things in like big containers, but a lot of the stuff Olsen does He'll make this big wire sculpture and shove a cassette in the back of it and he'll make three of them And that's the release (laughs) so I have a lot of these like just all kinds of stuff from him Yeah, He, he just keeps it interesting and the music I mean Some some of the releases are hit or miss. I think he releases everything he does but you know the, when he sells them they're like six bucks each so like I like to support the artist all on eBay they're like 300 but right because there's like me and a few other people who go out this stuff pretty
0: hard well that's my whole that's my whole issue with that is, is um, uh, it seems like a, a kind of a club and I want in I just can't keep up right that's my whole thing yeah it, so it, I stick it, with I it stick is with very clicky I stick with and, the staples yeah
1: and, and, and noise people are a little you know they don't get out much all the time and they're hard to get to know but a lot of them I know who i am and right. they're, they're kind of I, I think they're kind of impressed that some weird old dude likes their stuff and they're oh, like for sure. they're, they're like you're a fan of ours okay they'd never you know me and thurston moore uh you two are that's the, the name, name i hear those are the a two names store. those yeah. are the two you guys so the they go yeah thurston moore's just here and there's no <laughs>
0: records left of course well, I mean, when I heard that Thurston uh, was, was hooking up with uh a black metal band from Chicago, I didn't bat an eye.
1: No, no, there's I mean, no one he hasn't crossed paths with. Yeah. Any of those noise bands? Oh, he's like, uh, yeah, we took them on tour in 2000. In You're like, yeah, of course you did. Or... Some weird band from like the noise band from Italy. My cat is an alien. They're amazing. Two brothers. Of course, he put out the records in America. Of course, he did the Thurston's played with everybody. Yeah, and anything you're into, he heard it five years ago. I mean, he's he's really an amazing, you know, and he's he's relentless. He's he's just sold a ton of his record collection. And I've never seen it. Ian, my friend Ian's been to his place. And I said, what's his place like? He said, you can turn a car around inside that room. Holy shit. Um, and he just sold his noise collection. He, has, he sold 4,000 pieces of nothing but his Japanese noise collection. And he wrote me. He said, you want to buy this thing from me? I said, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm getting into with that. I mean, I should. But um, I don't know if he still has it all in one piece or not. Uh, it's, it's I don't know much about Japanese noise music. But Thurston, he's always been that way. I used to go record hunting with Thurston many years ago. I'd be in New York, and he and I would power walk all over the village in West Village. He knew every single record store, and they know him. I mean, that guy's got a head on so much music from punk rock to avant jazz It's, it's he's like one of those inte- he's intelligent anyway but his thing on music there's not a lot he hasn't heard put it that way like mm. you 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 pull up some record he's like oh yeah and he pulls up the test pressing of it yeah, of course but yeah no, I, I like Thurston he's a I've known him a long time he's an interesting dude I should go
0: uh, I'll let you go no problem thank you very much Henry. No
1: walking alone down sunset.